You're listening to episode 140 of the Mad Chatters podcast, May 31st, 2017. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. I'm Derek, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow chatters, Matthew. Howdy. And Jeremy. Because I got issues. Hmm. Well, I think it's safe to say that summer season has officially kicked off Disney Parks Worldwide. Pandora, the world of Avatar, finally, after years of waiting, is open. Um, over in Hollywood studio, Studios, the music of Pixar Live is now performing nightly. Even in California Adventure, the brand new Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is open and accepting guests. All sorts of exciting things happening in the world of Disney. Yes. It's a great time to be a Disney fan, that's for sure. Absolutely. And of course, in a few weeks, we'll have reviews of all of those things. Uh, but this week, we're actually going to take a step back and talk about an attraction that's been around for a long time. Uh, this week, we celebrate the 15th anniversary of the opening of Journey into Imagination with Figment, which, of course, is the third iteration of an attraction that has been at Epcot since its opening year, 1982. Uh, but we're going to open this episode by talking about that attraction in our segment, Behind the Magic. Behind the Magic. In Behind the Magic, we usually pick one area, one attraction, one section of Walt Disney World. And we just take a closer look. We talk about some of our favorite details. We talk about what there is to appreciate about it. And we do a little bit of digging into its history as well. So let's start with the history of Journey into Imagination with Figment. And for this, I'm going to throw it over to the, to the person who actually rode older iterations of this attraction, Matt. Yeah, the original Journey into Imagination... Uh, was part of the Imagination Pavilion that opened on March 5th, 1983. And in this original ride, it's in the same place, it's in the same building, it's in the same vehicles. For the life of me, I can't remember if the original was split the same way with like three vehicles or four vehicles traveling together or whatever, but they were the exact same vehicles, except they were blue and uh, in the original attraction, it was very much um, a classic kind of dark ride that featured two primary characters, the Dreamfinder, uh, who most Disney World fans know and love, the top hat wearing. Would you call his coat? It's, 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 it's blue, right? It's not purple. Ooh, I think you're right. It's so royal blue, it's almost purple. But he's he's got uh, he looks like a Viking guy, redheaded guy with a little mustache and and just go look up old videos and you'll see the Dreamfinder and uh, the other prominent character of course was Figment. Uh, Figment introduced obviously an original character to Epcot and this attraction that took over kind of as Epcot's uh, mascot um, just because he was so well loved and liked and uh, the most popular iteration I think of Figment was him wearing his little varsity sweater. That said Figment on it, and those plushes sold with them. I think when they met, they had the meet and greet with Dreamfinder and Figment. He actually wore the little sweater, didn't he? Oh, maybe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, this iteration of the attraction lasted from 1983 to 1998, and like I said, it was kind of a classic dark ride where where you would start at the beginning with Dreamfinder and Figment, and um, they were in the big. I never can remember the name of this. The big dream blimp bagpipe looking thing <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and the whole concept was you're just going to travel through these different areas of um imagination and collect things for the dream port so the whole idea was that you're you're flying around with Dreamfinder and figment and the purpose was to go to this uh 
maybe the there was a room dedicated to literature and that kind of stuff, and then there was a room dedicated to art and painting, and there was a room dedicated to uh, like science and math, and so you go to each of these little themed areas, and supposedly you're collecting these things in the the dream catcher thing, and then at the very end you wound up in the dream port where you. Uh, supposedly unloaded these things and then you could create the dreams and then the idea was you get out into the old image works and actually create your own imaginative things using all this stuff that you've created and so that was the whole the whole shtick with the old one the old ride leading into the the post show the original journey to imagination was um mostly the creation of a very famous well-known walt disney imagineer uh tony baxter and of course we know tony baxter from uh splash mountain big thunder mountain uh most notably but this was one of his uh earlier creations uh there in epcot and arguably one of his best i think it's one of those things that hindsight is always uh memorable and the golden age and all that stuff so it's funny to see you know people latching on to this old uh, version of imagination as if it was a classic and i guess now it is a classic yeah. but at that time it did begin to decline in the late 90s there was never a wait people were wanting a little more um but an interesting thing is they actually got less and, <laughs> and when the attraction closed in 1998 and underwent a massive uh refurbishment and opened in 1999 as journey into your imagination so not just journey into imagination as this kind of ethereal out there concept but the journey into your imagination um this version of the attraction lasted almost exactly one year uh-uh. and yeah <laughs> this was uh the the new kind of main character was dr nigel channing who you'll know and this and this you know kind of seamlessly fit in with the honey i shrunk the audience show in which he was featured and so this whole area was now the imagination institute and he was the dean and all this stuff and very basically, he was giving you a tour of the Imagination Institute, and it was a very, I mean, it was fun, and it was whimsical, but it was very um, scientific in the approach, I guess. I mean, you were just basically traveling through things dealing with the five senses. And so the, the train still passed, you know, and you still had that kind of binaural, binaural experience there, the eye chart. A lot of the stuff was basically the same, and then you ended up traveling through the upside-down house, but it was less colorful at that point. It was very kind of realistic traveling through an upside-down house. And I don't even remember the old ending. I remember the, the, the explosion thing happened, and then it was just basically the end. And, and there was no song, uh, anything like that. We probably need to throw that in about the old version. Mo- one of the most memorable things about it was the song, One Little Spark. Sherman Brothers, right? Yeah, Sherman Brothers. Yeah, Sherman Brothers. Yeah, from what I've heard, um, there were a few reasons they they changed it after... What year did the second one open? 99? 98. 98. Okay, so... Uh, 99, sorry. No, it closed in 98, opened in 99, and then closed again in 2000. Okay, so this attraction has been around for 16 years. Yes, people love the song, people love Figment, people love Dreamfinder, but one of the things I've always heard is there was that turntable where you're in your vehicle and then when you get to the dream finder scene where he's on his dream mobile or whatever you called it like your your vehicle attached to the turntable and then it like spun you around that whole scene and then when you got to the end of the tur- turntable you detached and then continued through the attraction yeah and apparently that was it was a really complicated system it broke down a lot it was really expensive to maintain and so they needed to change it. And so in the iteration we have now, that turntable is the loading area instead of part of the attraction. Gotcha. Another thing, uh, you, you kind of mentioned it, but I think it was outdated. Like th- When I watch original videos of this, I mean, it is super 80s. Like, there's, there's yeah. no way around it. You know, you can just tell when you look at it. And so I, can, I think surely people at the time understood, oh, good, they're going to they're gonna update it. Um, they're going to they're gonna bring it into the new millennium, what have you. Uh, but yeah, but when you take away that beloved Sherman Brothers song, you take away the Dreamfinder, you 95%, like almost entirely take away Figment. I think he was barely part of it. 
Um, he was not. I mean, I think that he had like a constellation at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To like when you went through a star field, like, oh, there's Figment. But it was not pronounced and it wasn't here's Figment or anything like that. And the song was nowhere. Right. So it seems like they kind of took away everything that made it so beloved and just kept the imagination theme. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that second iteration was open for, for two years. Oh. I saw, I, I thought 2000, but it was actually 2001. Wow. What a long run. What they ultimately did was take the new iteration and try to cram in things that they thought people liked from the old iteration and now we have the turd that we have now (laughs) yeah so the second one was so bad they just they kind of half-heartedly threw back in the stuff that they took out without really making it that much better yeah i i will say i like journey into imagination if i'm at epcot and there's less than a five minute wait for it and i happen to be over in that direction i will jump on it just to get the song stuck in my head for the day but it certainly yeah. does not have the charm that I would like to assume was attached to the original. Yeah. Well, what are some of your favorite things about the ride as it stands now? Did Matt, did you already give like a, I guess you didn't, like a general description? Oh, no, of- just very, very briefly. Af- yeah, after that two-year iteration without a figment and um, without the kind of whimsical aspect of it, uh, they closed it and then reopened it in June of 2002, not changing very much, but incorporating Figment back into it. And of course, the name then changed to Journey into Imagination, minus the your, Journey into Imagination with Figment. And much of the concrete parts of the ride remain the same. There's no massive set changes or anything. Uh, they just incorporated Figment, and then the new storyline is that Dr. Channing's trying to give you a, a serious tour of the Institute, but of course Figment is jumping in at every chance, causing mischief and you know all that stuff. Um, the ending is is really the only significantly different part when the, the little spoiler alert explosion kind of thing happens, and you've blown the circuits or whatever, and the set suddenly disappears, and there's this kind of I don't know, panorama kind of dark ride scene with a lot of little figments in little different situations. And the, the beloved song is sung. It's, it's throughout the entire attraction now, instrumentally, but only there at the end when that happens do you hear the words. And then Dr. Channing tunes in with his ugly moon face. And Oof. then, um, yeah. <laughs> I want to get uh, that on a shirt. You have to watch it to know they've, they've made him to look like the moon and stuck his face on it, and it's very disturbing. It is. Um, it's the worst. But that's it. I, I think it it helped a little, but still, I, I don't know. Maybe it's Eric Idle that people just don't connect with. I don't know. Well, okay, before we get into this, let me real quick read an email that we got, ironically enough, about this attraction. This guy did not know it would be celebrating its 50th an- 15th anniversary, I'm sure. But another reason we talked about it is because of this email. This is from Felix. He says, what's up, fellas? Um, he says some very complimentary things about the show. Thank you so much. He says, why does everyone hate Journey into Imagination with Figment so much? Every time I ride it, I enjoy the energy and crazy visuals that happen throughout the ride. I genuinely enjoy it. Yet, not only does almost everyone dislike it, it seems to be probably the most hated ride in Walt Disney World. Every conversation I hear about bad rides, Figment is mentioned and scoffed at. Honestly, I could think of many other rides that have less passion and make less sense than this one. As someone, maybe the only one, who enjoys this ride, I just want to understand why everyone dislikes it so much. No one ever really discusses why. Um, he says, teabagger for life, Felix. <laughs> yes. And and to your question, Matt, I think for me, one of the problems is, yes, Eric Idle, but like Eric and Idle and Figment are like going toe-to-toe the entire attraction. It's like they can't agree on anything, and Eric Idle's so annoyed by Figment, and Figment is kind of a menace and makes everything go wrong, and it's like, I just want these two to, like, connect at some point. No, I mean, that's your classic comedy team. You got the straight man, and you got the the jokester, whatever. I mean, that's not it. I My biggest problem with it, and the thing that, the reason why I never connected with it until I really became like a hardcore Disney fan was um, 
there's really no storyline as far as a deep well the storyline is hard to find so i'm trying to say like you you get on the attraction you're kind of like wait what's going on here and who and it, there, there's a lot lost in translation i think until like you really can think it through yeah, I'd agree with that. When you talked about the original tracks and you talked about how they went through like art and then performing arts and stuff like that, but the the new narr- the new narrative is very half-baked, I think. Yeah, and and it's not a terrible concept. It's just not done well. I also think, you know, it's uh, the set pieces are kind of cheap. They're kind of uh just there's there's so much more that could be done. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think it probably fit better with the 1980s Epcot than it does with current day because we got rid of Horizons to put in a thrill ride about space. And then you get rid of World of Motion to put in a thrill ride with vehicles. And then Soarin', in a sense, is a thrill ride. And so Figment has kind of got lost in all the commotion. It reminds me of Cat in the Hat over at Islands of Adventure. No, do not say that. No, I mean, I'm being serious as far as like... This is something that could be done better. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The cat in the hat thing threw me off, but yeah, if if by that you mean that it could be done better, then of course. But if you mean shoddy animatronics and one scene at a time and, and terrible vehicle movement, then no. Well, now minus the vehicle movement, yeah, I could, I could make a case for the, those other accusations. No, there's no no (laughs) terrible animatronics in it. Yeah, there is. Some of those figments animatronics are not well done. They're very static, and and if they do move... I think they're they're old. I think they're from the old attraction. Yeah, I'm sure they are. But also, some of the set pieces, like in Cat in the Hat, are very large and outrageous, which is by intent... But on the other hand, they they come across very cartoony, which I get. I, yeah. I, I understand it matches its imagination. I, I'm not saying that's necessarily a negative. I'm just saying they're not done as well as they could. Well, when I read Felix's email, like all I could do was think about what my first impression of the attraction was. And I do remember that I didn't like it the first time I wrote it. And so then I had to think, okay, well, why didn't I like it? And I think it does come down to the fact that Figment was just kind of annoying and I don't think he was like this in the original iteration of the attraction, but now, like, he blows skunk smell in your face, and then he messes with, like, the electricity and the lights or whatever, and, and it, it, like, it's almost, don't don't crucify me, but it's almost like the Stitch's Great Escape Syndrome, where they've taken a lovable character, and it would be fine if he did annoying things in, like, a funny way, but none of none of the things are pleasant. None of them are funny. In the original attraction, you can watch it online, he's not annoying. He's a lovable, helpful sidekick to Dreamfinder. If anything, he's he's childish and he's uh, childlike. There's a difference. He's yes. childlike and um, and happy, and he's the spirit of imagination. In the in the current version, he's mischievous and childish and mm-hmm. and just an, and, and annoying. Yeah, I get but that. But even. I want to go back too to what Derek said as well, and I'm I'm seeing what you're saying as far as between Eric Idle and Figment as well. There's also no, even though they annoy each other or Eric Idle is annoyed, I don't get a love for Figment from him. Yes, yes. Like, oh, you drive me crazy, but you're still my buddy. Yeah, it's just like well, Dreamfinder. No. <laughs> there was never a time when Dreamfinder was like, you're on my nerves. But he did have to, like, calm him down. Like, now, call, now we got to go take all this back to the whatever, you know, all that stuff. But so it wasn't like I haven't, I'm having to wrangle you in because you're causing so much trouble. It was more of just a, I don't know, you're, you're, I don't know. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. Eric Idle is more like, this attraction would be so much better if you weren't a part of it. That's, yeah. what, <laughs> that's what his character is thinking the whole time, and that bothers me. Whereas Dreamfinder is more yeah. like, now I want to show you these things, but you're going to have to take it down a notch. At, but then he suddenly converted, and that's what doesn't make that's what doesn't make sense. You know, when you come to the end, and and you're supposed to, there's supposed to be this instance where you're supposed to keep going straight into the taste and smell laboratories or something, 
And if you look carefully, you can see that there's a, a, a fake section of track that goes forward through the doors that say smell and taste or whatever, or taste and hear. I don't know what it was. Taste and touch. That's what it is. Yes. The two, they, the two that you're obviously not going to have on a Disney attraction. Uh, <laughs> Everybody lick this wall as you go by. Yeah, Figma's basically like, let's go to my house. So you turn, veer off track, so-and-so, uh, uh, supposedly, and go to Figment's house, which is now the upside-down house, which has now been painted all these whimsical colors, and it's got his artwork everywhere and stuff. And then somewhere in the midst of the upside-down house, uh, Dr. Channing suddenly sees the light. Oh, I get it. Imagination is all this crap. And then <laughs> and then at the end of his face... I'm going to sing a song. Yeah, it's basically like, uh, I've been converted. Here's a song about it. <laughs> and uh, I don't believe him. I don't believe you. I don't care how moon-like you are. I don't, I don't believe that this is sincere. <laughs> what cracks me up the most is the transition from the first iteration to the second one. Just because, first of all, they added your, and it's in all caps, which I, I don't understand. Your. Um, your imagination. And I read that it went from 12 minutes to 5 minutes long because they took out the turntable which obviously was a slow moving piece you sat there for like five minutes <laughs> yeah and so i'm like man people had to have been so disappointed when that reopened anyway to, i don't know if there's a correct answer to felix's question that's why i personally didn't love it um but I, it gets I, it's consistently 30 minutes nowadays which i find kind of funny because when we first wrote it, we walked right on. Freaking fast pass. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, I'd be interested to know, Felix, um, which you, your kind of background comes in handy because you had written it with no previous experience with the other versions or attachment to the others, and you still hated it. So I'd be interested to know if uh, he has only experienced this version, if he's a longtime Disney fan that remembers the old version, um, if he knew about the old version before this and just, you know, test those waters out. It seems that the people that are obviously most disappointed in it are those who are familiar with the old version. I'm not saying everybody likes it, but I think that the, the outrage comes from those who know the old version and love the old version. Yeah. I don't know. Well, before we go, I feel, or before we end this segment... Um, I feel like we should end on a positive note, at least. So, what do you guys think is, like, the best perspective to have when coming into this attraction in order to best appreciate it? And best appreciate its placement in Epcot, I guess. Expecting less. Oh. <laughs> adjust your expectation. Now, uh, I don't really know how to tell someone to appreciate this, except to try to help them understand who figment is and why that character is important yeah but if you don't get that you don't care and then sometimes if you do get that and you become familiar with the old version you hate the i don't know i don't know how i would set someone up for this except now this is kind of dumb but it's here so let's do it i don't know i, I really don't have place for this attraction I mean, if you're a big fan of the second funniest guy in Monty Python, then you'll probably enjoy this attraction. <laughs> I guess I would just say, like, try to see it as a classic dark ride, maybe? Because after riding Soren and Test Track and all that, like, you don't expect to just get on a dark ride in Epcot. Maybe that was one of my things. You know, we did all the thrills, and then it was like, oh, this. As a dark ride, it kind of um, it kind of just hits me as the the little Hershey Chocolate Factory tour, and um, at Hershey Park in in Pennsylvania, the cars are like the exact same now, and the set is so unimaginative. That's just kind of what it reminds me of. Mm. Well, that's ironic that it's in the Imagination Pavilion and it's unimaginative. <laughs> it's unimaginative, very very much so. Mm. Well, there you go. That's Journey into Imagination with Figment. Happy 15th anniversary.
this is Jeopardy! Thank you, Steve. Welcome to a new segment that we have here on the Mad Chatters, Chatter Jeopardy. And Chatter Jeopardy, just like the actual show Jeopardy, involves us asking the question in response to the answer. So you'll understand as we go. It's very, very simple. Are you gentlemen ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Question number, or excuse me, answer number one. The answer is big, hairy, and angry. Who are the Maelstrom trolls when they found out what replaced their attraction? What is Matt trying to walk down Main Street trying to get past all the PhotoPass people? Who are the German Pavilion cast members, male and female? Who is Cheryl when asked to refill your food? The answer is three hours and counting. What is the amount of time I've been sitting on the people mover without a care in the world? What is the time elapsed since getting in line for the Tangled Lantern photo op? What is the amount of time needed to have a satisfying day at Disney's Hollywood Studios? The answer is smells like a mixture of sweat and regret. Who are the Imagineers in charge of the Trump animatronic? What is my seat on the people mover? What is Coco's dressing room? The answer is the reason I'm not wearing a shirt. What is the Disney Podcasters 2018 calendar? What is getting pelted by a bird turd at Disney's Hollywood Studios? What is La Cava del Tequila in Mexico? The answer is the other white meat. Who are Jose, Michael, Pierre, and Fritz? Who is Bambi's mother? What is a Frontierland bird? said on this show before that planning a Walt Disney World vacation can be almost as much fun as taking a Walt Disney World vacation. Making fast pass selections, deciding which restaurants you're going to eat at, planning which parks you're going to visit on what days. It's so exciting to make plans and actually put them on paper. On today's show, we're going to talk about a slightly different part of the planning process. Although it's not necessary, it can be tons of fun and can enhance your Disney vacation. Maybe it'll open your eyes to things you might not have noticed otherwise. Today we're going to talk about movies. Uh, So much of Walt Disney World is tied to one film or another, so we're going to list some of the movies we recommend watching before taking your family or even a solo trip to Walt Disney World. Uh, Okay, so before we start, we've broken our list into three categories. First, we're going to talk about the obvious ones. These are the ones that are represented very heavily at the park. So if you want to have a connection to these things, if you want to be able to see them and and, and be able to say, oh, I've seen that, then you need to watch these. Our second category will be more underrated ones. So you're not just a casual Disney goer. You want to be able to notice the details. Uh, These things aren't as obvious, but... They're things that, if you've seen these movies, you're going to be able to pick out tiny details when you're there. And the third category is just for us. These are the ones that, when we watch these movies, we get all of the Disney feels, if you will. Uh, We're ready to pack our bags and go to Walt Disney World the next day when we see these movies. Okay, you guys ready? Ready when you are, CB. Ah. Uh, What's that? (laughs) 
Okay, so this first category, let's get out of the way the obvious ones. Let's get let's talk about the ones that you're going to see a lot of when you're and you're in Walt Disney World. So you need to at least have seen these movies. First one I always think of is Peter Pan, simply because every time I ride the dark ride Peter Pan's flight, it makes me want to watch the movie in general. And so uh, if you can just get ahead of that, watch Peter Pan. You're going to have Tinkerbell flying off the castle. You're going to have uh, the music. Peter Pan is a very prominent figure around Walt Disney World Resorts. So it's a good place to start. Yeah. I'm just going to say pretty much except for Pocahontas, (laughs) just watch all the princess movies. (laughs) I don't know if I can say that. But I mean, honestly, like starting with Snow White, which is the very first full-length animated film you need to watch it for history's sake but you're also going to see snow white everywhere like the seven dwarfs mine train and the witch pops up in so many of the shows but then you've got cinderella which is which when we talked about it you know like a year ago on our show disney had kind of been struggling in the 40s and then there was cinderella which brought everything around and you've got cinderella castle and the cinderella statue and the fairy godmother pops up and then the, especially the princess movies of the 90s and 2000s are everywhere nowadays. I mean, Little Mermaid, I swear, is in every single park. And then, yeah. you, and then you've got like, so. I, in fact, Tangled is one that keeps coming back to me. And I think it's just because my parents haven't seen Tangled. And I keep thinking of all the references they're not going to get because they haven't seen it. Like the lanterns and Happily Ever After and the whole section in uh, Royal Mickey's Royal Friendship Fair. Like there are all these things where I'm like, oh, they won't get it. But yeah. Hey, you know what? This reminds me of, do you remember, Derek, that time we were watching Fantasmic and that lady behind us sat with her husband the whole time and was like, oh, I want to get, we got to watch this movie when I get home. Mickey, Mickey, remember her? I remember the Mickey part. Yeah. Like every five minutes. She was something. Anyway, so yeah, all the princess movies. Including Frozen. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, for real. Like, it is. If you haven't seen Frozen and you go, I can imagine you kind of being annoyed. Like, oh, why didn't we watch this movie? It's everywhere. It's better than it was, at least. It was meet and greet at Magic Kingdom. Uh, Well, that's before it was at Epcot. And then you had the Frozen vomit at Hollywood Studios for a whole year. At least, you know, now it's kind of compartmentalized to Epcot. And then, well, they're in the shows, I guess. The two, the the one, the fireworks, and then the, the castle stage show. And the sing-along at Hollywood Studios. Oh, the sing-along. Blasted sing-along. <laughs> watch, watch the Frozen. You can't, you, watch all the, just watch, get the Disney animated classics and just line them up and start watching them. Because <laughs> the, with very few exceptions, there's references to, to I mean, Everything, and not not to mention all the the princess movies, um, Lion King, Aladdin. I mean, uh, Festival of the Lion King, and then you've got references in some of the shows. You have the Aladdin, you have the wonderful, our favorite attraction, the Magic Carpets of Aladdin. Um, <laughs> well, you're also probably are... gonna want to watch some of these that you don't think about that have a lot of references in the parks as well. Uh, Particularly like Alice in Wonderland has a lot of references in the park. And if you've seen the movie, it's a little more enjoyable. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, some of the Pixar films. I think more than most, it's interesting how often Sleeping Beauty shows up in the parks. Namely, Maleficent and the dragon thing. I mean, that's Fantasmic, that's Festival of Fantasy. It's featured prominently in Happily Ever After now. Uh, I mean, she's she's kind of like the queen of the villains. So Sleeping Beauty is kind of a, a must. Jeremy, I like that you mentioned uh, Winnie the Pooh. Like whether you watch the 2010 version or you watch the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh from the 70s. For some reason, I feel like that's a, a Disney movie that kind of gets lost um, when parents are trying to show their kids classic Disney movies. Sometimes the Winnie the Pooh characters... It's a while before the kids are introduced to them, but they really are a big part of Epcot and Magic Kingdom. I don't think people put it together, and I don't think people, the average person, does not think of Winnie the Pooh as a classic animated film. They they know the shorts and the TV shows and kind of the characters just from being there, But um, and some of the modern movies, I guess, but... 
Uh, yeah, watch that old The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, because that's the the ride is basically stories from that uh, that movie. Mm-hmm. If we can move on, maybe from the animated for, I mean, we could just keep on going with animated movie references. You just need to get those late '80s, early '90s. Actually, now some of the late '90s ones are getting a lot of attention too. And of course, like Princess and the Frog, Tangled, Frozen, all the kind of the new ones are. Uh, so just start lining those up, and if you want a list of the number of references in order per movie, you know, email us and I'll, I'll, I can tell you what's like the most important one to watch. Yeah. Like in order, but let's, what about some of the, um, the Pixar movies also that are featured very prominently having whole attractions devoted, uh, to them, such as, uh, toy story, two attractions. Yeah. And toy story, uh, yeah. Buzz Lightyear, the magic kingdom and toy story mania, Hollywood studios and the characters are everywhere. There's meet and greet with uh, wood, wood, <laughs> wood and buzzy. There's <laughs> meet and greet with Woody and buzz and the army men are walking around and there's about to be a whole land dedicated to toy story. So you kind of want to be, uh, if you're not already in what world are you living in? You want to be familiar with those characters and the, and the stories. I'd say finding Nemo, which has an unusually large representation for not an underappreciated movie. I just, it's not like maybe it is up there on people's like favorite Pixar films. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, it's top three. Okay. Yeah, me too. Uh, Monsters Inc. Bugs Life has a whole attraction at Animal Kingdom. And that seems to be one, at least for me, that, that goes under people's radar sometimes. Um, you know what? If we had shown my nephew a Bug's Life before we went, he might not have been like scared out of his mind when we watched that. Yeah. Hmm. Je- Anna just knows them affectionately as the Bugs. So when <laughs> <laughs> they appeared very briefly and happily ever after, the little dandelion floating scene, she says, uh, Bugs, the Bugs. <laughs> we have not tried. It's tough to be a bug yet. That might be interesting. Mm, I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah. But also there's some non-animated films that are essentials as well. Nowadays, you cannot visit a Disney park, or at least not Disney Hollywood Studios, without seeing Star Wars in some way. Mm -hmm. And I'm still amazed at the number of people in the general population that are unfamiliar with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're going to see things they recognize. Like, surely, you know, a stormtrooper is not completely foreign to them. But I do, I do think like you would, I think Hollywood Studios would be doubly enhanced if you didn't watch Star Wars and then you did, if that makes sense. Like, I guess what, I guess another way to say it is you would, you would miss half of the references in Hollywood Studios at this point yeah. if you had never seen it. Agreed. And you might not. Well, you just wouldn't understand the universe of Star Tours. And then I like, like Toy Story. Star Wars is about to get a whole land devoted to it, and uh, the max enjoyment would be understanding what what world you're in. Um, I would say Pirates and Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean, Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean, and specifically Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl, just because I think that's generally known to be the best one of the whole series. People. Uh, no matter your feelings on the rest of the pirates, people generally tend to agree that that first one was pretty good and that the characters were good and the story was good. So just just go there. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, there, there was the original Pirates attraction that, um, that that brought the movie on and then the movie enhanced the ride. So you, you kind of want to know who the characters you're seeing are, in my opinion. So uh, I would definitely throw out Pirates. And with all of these movies, animated, Pixar, Pirates, live action, Star Wars, whatever it is, all of these movies, the music, the score, original songs from these movies are going to be featured in everything. So, you know, it's that's a that's a heavy part of my enjoyment at Walt Disney World is is hearing those those songs from these movies in fireworks shows, parades, in the rides, in the different lands. And connecting that to the theme, that that's a wonderful part of the Walt Disney World deal for me. Mm-hmm. I think nowadays it's especially important to watch anything that the Muppets have done. Um, I would recommend either the Muppet movie from, what is that, the 70s, I think? 
Mm, yeah. Or The Muppets, I also think was a good reboot back in 2011, 2012 with uh, Jason Siegel. Um, I just, The Muppets re- really are a big part of Hollywood Studios and now Magic Kingdom with that new show. And yeah. I think it's a ti- they're timeless characters. Like that movie from the 70s is still so funny to me, still so good and wonderful and family friendly. Yes, and uh, that's a tribute to Jim Henson, of course. Some deep cuts if you really want to get into Muppets and you haven't yet. Muppets Take Manhattan. Derek didn't like it, but I love it. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Muppet Christmas Carol. Can't go wrong with uh, that. You're leaving out the best one, which is The Great Muppet Caper. Yes, that's the one we always watched when I was young. Happiness Hotel. I mean, I think that one is like quintessential Muppet dumb right there. Yeah, I would take Manhattan over Caper, but I'll I'll, I'll, I'll concede. All right, the next section of, of films that you might want to check out beyond the obvious ones are underrated films that will help you better appreciate Walt Disney World because they're represented in the parks maybe in subtle ways or they're just not films that you automatically think of when you think of Disney. Uh, so what are some of these films that you might want to experience? I think... One that we all agreed on and have talked about a lot recently, it seems, is the 2006-ish, 5-ish documentary, Walt, The Man Behind the Myth. And I I think where we agreed on this was – or what we agreed about it was giving – and this is more of an adulty thing. If if you're a teenager, college student, adult, and you're going to Disney World, this will help you appreciate what the Disney parks are. Uh, I think that that would help older people connect more with what they're experiencing than just going for the quote-unquote rides, you know. Understanding Walt the man and his story and his life and his legacy and what the parks were supposed to be to him, I think that will help you connect on a more mature level with with the Disney parks. (laughs) I totally agree. And of all those animated films and other films we mentioned earlier, Mickey Mouse didn't come up once. Uh, and we know kids love Mickey Mouse because there are Mickey Mouse cartoons on TV. But for adults, I think it's important because this documentary really shows the importance of Mickey Mouse in, in Walt's whole story. Like his, you know, his famous line about it all started with the mouse. And that documentary is a good uh, portrayal of that. And yeah. uh, I mean, you know, you're going to you know already that Mickey Mouse is important. Uh, but it's kind of cool to see that everything you see in, in Walt Disney World really did start with him. And obviously, you'll see Mickey Mouse at Walt Disney World a few times. Yeah. Well, and the thing, funny thing about Mickey Mouse, I guess not funny. There's, there's, he doesn't really have, he doesn't have, I'm, I'm racking my brain right now. He doesn't have a feature length animated film. Well, he does. He's in a, he's in a film that I was going to say, I don't think we mentioned, but it came to my mind as I was thinking this through. And that is Fantasia. If yeah. you can watch yeah. Fantasia, you will appreciate a lot of things about the park, particularly The Sorcerer's Apprentice, if you've never seen that short. I'd just say watch the short. I mean, I, I understand the the thing about even I cannot just sit down and watch Fantasia. Mm-mm. So it, Okay, here's what I do from time to time is if I'm working on something on my computer or whatever, and I need something in the background, Fantasia uh, is a wonderful background yeah. film because it's got <laughs> the classical music. And then yeah. you can glance up at the screen every now and then and be visually stimulated as well. And I will say, when you hear, I cannot hear Night on Bald Mountain without thinking of Fantasmic. Mm. Yeah. And also, I think, aren't the hippos in Festival of Fantasy? I mean, that's such a tiny connection but. They, they are yeah but they, were, they were in spectral magic too. spectral magic had a huge fantas- uh, fantasia like the, the whole last part of it was yeah yes with bum, 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 bum. bacchus and the spinning uh hippos yeah. and the ostriches that, yeah there was a lot that's interesting well speaking of mickey's shorts a lot of those were they called package films like the melody time make my music all those You've got Mickey and the Beanstalk in one of those. I don't remember which one. That's in Fun and Fancy Free. Okay. But a lot of those shorts have nods in Disney that you might not know. Like, for instance, Casey's Corner is based on Casey and the Bat. Casey at the Bat. Casey at the Bat. Excuse me. Casey and the Bat. (laughs) Uh, Make My Music, I think that's on. 
Uh, Pecos Bill, which we talked about a lot last week, is in one of those as well. Mm-hmm. What about, um, what's the one about the whale that wants to sing? Um, Willie the Whale. Yes, and he has a poster in the queue. Yeah, Philhar Magic. At Philhar Magic. Uh, well, it, Jeremy, fun. it was you who pointed out the, uh, what's the store in Fantasyland where the giant from Mickey and the Beanstalk is like holding up the roof? Yes, I, um, no, it's because it's not Willie the Whale, it's Willie the Giant from Mickey and the Beanstalk. It's oh, the one right behind the, it's the castle. Whale. Yeah, I forget the name of it now. It's when you come out of the princess meet and greet. They empty you in there now. Yeah. Yes. Willie is like lifting up the ceiling and yeah. peeking at you. Yeah. And there's like roots, tree roots or something. Yeah. yeah. It's the beanstalk. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's bean. That's yeah. It's the beanstalk <laughs> roots. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I would. Uh, I had some others. I, I think about when when I think about. You can't quite say that they're not represented in the parks, but you also can't say that they're outright represented in the parks. And so it's somewhere in between for me. Movies like uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Treasure Island, I threw out like The African Queen. Because um, kind of early, some, some people, you know, on documentaries I've watched say that The Jungle Cruise is loosely based, at least in terms of setting and the boat. It's like a. You know, it's that this that colonial uh, early 20th century exploration theme. Uh, movies like that, whether it's the music or just the vibe of the film, it certainly played into the creation of places like Adventureland. Twenty Thousand Leagues used to have a ride at Fantasyland, and I cannot hear the Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea theme without thinking Disney World and the Nautilus and and all those wonderful things. Uh, Tron. Not represented in the parks, but certainly just kind of that vibe. Some would argue on Test Track. Yeah. But yes. certainly like Tomorrowland and places like that. And I'd say probably the newer iterations of Tron, but the old one's just fine. And I had just two more on my list that just kind of we've talked about before because of Main Street, Hello Dolly, and uh, Music Man. And I just – all those kind of have a Disney vibe uh, one way or the other that, that – have worked their way into the parks. Yeah, to your Main Street list, I'll add Summer Magic, which is a Disney film. Yeah. And includes a couple songs that they play on Main Street. Haley Mills, classic, good movie. And it very much gives you that Main Street USA vibe. Yeah. I just bought that on Amazon. I need to watch it, so. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Burl Ives is in it. Who doesn't like Burl Ives? I, I do, you know. Pop I've off. said it for years. Swiss Family Robinson... I used to love growing up. Um, it gives you all the Disney feels because it is Disney. But, of course, there's the attraction, Swiss Family Treehouse. I'm not going to tell you you're going to enjoy the attraction more if you've seen the movie. <laughs> right. I don't think that's the case. But it's a film worth watching, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Did you ever watch the Jane Seymour remake of that? No. Oh, Lord, that sounds dreadful. <laughs> How dare you insult Dr. Quinn? Um, they did. I think it was on one of those like wonderful, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, uh, <laughs> the wonderful world of Disney. Um, you know how they used to do that? What was that like on Sunday nights or whatever? <gasps> yeah, I totally watched that. I'm getting Jeez. like small glimpses of scenes with her in it. Yes, but I remember the original more. I never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where you're going to find it. But if you could watch Song of the South. Mm. Oh, I got it. Oh, there you go. If you can, we need to just send your copy around to all of our listeners. Make sure they get to see Song of the South before they ride Splash Mountain again. Yeah. The only one I had left on my list is one I actually haven't seen. But I've always heard that Johnny Tremaine has a ton of Liberty Square references. Yes. Oh. Apparently, there's even a scene where they they parade through the streets and they sing the Liberty Tree, and then they stop by the tree and hang lanterns on its branches. And you know, there's a replica of the Liberty Tree with the lanterns in the branches at Disney World. Well, listen, I read the book Johnny Tremaine, which is like a young adult novel. I don't even know if it's a novel, if it's a novelette, but uh, novella. Is that right, novella? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's good. I remember reading it in middle school. And so the movie is good as well. 
Also, I'm going to throw out there, if you can get the Davy Crockett, uh, m well, now they, they put them together as movies. They were originally on the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, not Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Mickey Mouse Club, <laughs> yes. um, as serials. But now you can find them together in one DVD as like two movies, and I own it, and they are fun to watch as well. Yeah, A little bit racist, but they're fun. Uh, so we talked about movies that have direct Disney World references, uh, movies that will uh, up your appreciation of attractions and shows that you'll see. We've talked about movies with uh, less than direct Disney World references, movies that maybe just the vibe or the setting or the music has in some way influenced lands and attractions at, at Walt Disney World, or uh, just movies such as the documentary that would up your appreciation of the whole thing altogether. Lastly, we're talking about movies that just give you the Disney, what, what, what I term the Disney feels. Uh, movies that when you watch them, you just want to go to Disney World, you're ready for your Disney vacation, and maybe you're not trying to prep for your understanding of an attraction, but you just want to put it in the old VHS player and get yourself amped for your Disney vacation. I will start because one of those for me, as odd as it is and as unrelated as it is, has always been... DuckTales, the movie. And I cannot place a, a reason on this, except that it's DuckTales, and it just <laughs> always is one of those. When, <laughs> when I was little and we were going to Disney World, I would either watch DuckTales or put in DuckTales, the movie, and I was ready to go. Hmm. Uh, for me, it's the vacation DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to go ride that right now. Get yourself some of those. No, but honestly, the, the ones that really make me want to go are, are ones we've already talked about. And I think for me most, it's Peter Pan. Yeah. Which is funny because, Jeremy, you said riding the attraction makes you want to watch the movie. For me, it's the opposite. Like, I, I hear the song You Can Fly, and I see them on Big Ben on the clock, and I'm instant, instantly taken to the parks, and I want to be there. I, I hesitated about this one because... It is kind of overtly there, but I, I, there's going to be some crossover. Uh, Mary Poppins was on my list. Just the, mm. the vibe and the, and the music and the feel of that movie is just... And in some subliminal way, the the color... I don't know this gets weird for me. The colors and kind of that... Because I think about... Um, we talked about Peter Ellenshaw last week and the concept art for Disneyland. When I see those beautiful backgrounds and things he painted for Mary Poppins and the sets and all that stuff, I, it gives me that very Disney World feel. And uh, Not to mention all the wonderful songs and the music. Um, that puts me there real fast. And she's featured on the, the Great Movie Ride, as is some of the other things I wrote down, which are might sound weird, but... In the great movie ride setting, they are just two of them. I wrote down were Alien and Singing in the Rain, <laughs> two very different movies, but uh, <laughs> th but th they're in the great movie ride, and that ride in itself has its own feel to me, and and those movies certainly fit within that that framework. I can see that. For me, it is any sitcom that goes to Walt Disney World. Yes. So, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching Nick at Night, and Boy Meets World was on, and the episodes where they go to Walt Disney World uh -huh. were being shown. And, oh my gosh, like, n it hurt my heart that I was uh -huh. not at Walt Disney World. That you weren't watching. waking up on Splash Mountain just before the <laughs> yeah. bloom. Exactly. Or that I wasn't making out in front of Fountain of Nations at the end. Uh, that's good. I also put the Lone Ranger on this list. What? <laughs> you love it. You hate it. it I think that... Di well, Disney didn't miss it. I think the public, by their terrible, awful, immature reviews of this movie, <laughs> missed a great opportunity. And some wonderful Frontierland tie-ins and um, enhancements. Because when I watched this movie, I was in Frontierland all the way from just this obviously the setting to some of the great characters that were in, introduced um well reintroduced and uh the music just that wonderful wild west sound and then the william tell overture at the end i i was so 
I was a little distraught that this movie didn't make it and that people didn't like it to the to the extent that Disney kind of ignores it because I thought it had a future in the parks and I was pretty excited about it. But for me, it still gives me those Disney World feels. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, one one that gives me the Disney World feels is Pinocchio, which is kind of a dark film. Mm. Uh, but like I can't hear Jiminy Cricket's voice without thinking of Wishes, which is gone now. Uh, but especially when you wish upon a star. Yeah. That's really... The, the, there, there aren't a whole lot of overt references to this film, at least in Disney World. Uh, but that that song, I mean, obviously it's like the theme song of the Disney parks. So I almost put it in my first category, but it kind of made it into this one. Yeah, I'd agree. A, a large portion of that movie has nothing to do with Walt Disney World. Like, even most of the characters. Um, I yeah. can't even think of their names. Um, Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. Geppetto. Uh, <laughs> stop. <laughs> Goodfellow, or whatever his name is, and Honest John. Longfellow. And Longfellow. Foulfellow. Foulfellow. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Tallfellow. Gideon Foulfellow, Honest John, that ringmaster guy, whatever he was, his name was, the coach driver. I think that's his yeah. name. The Coachman. Uh, Lampwick. Stromboli. Cleo. Yeah. Disneyland, obviously, ha- Disneyland had a lot of references. At Disney World did. He was in the daytime parade. Uh, Pinocchio was. And Geppetto, too, right? Uh, they still are. Because I was there one time, and the lady next to me, when Geppetto was going by, said, Look, it's Albert Einstein. Oh, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> and I guess there is Pinocchio's Village House. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it's there. With the fish window. Yes. <laughs> and the, the the mural that says Figaro is a cat. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. Uh, good times. Um, also, for me, the movie Sunset Boulevard. Uh-uh. It does. I don't know. What, but when I watch Sunset Boulevard, I think... In my brain, I'm picturing the view yeah. down power of ta- looking down. I get that. I, mean, I can't listen to. I can't listen to music from the '40s without thinking of Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Studios. No, you're yes. right. I think my uh-uh was more. How did I not know you were going to find a way to talk about that movie <laughs> on this episode? No. Well, especially like you know, like um, in the film. If you've never seen the film, uh, her home, Norma Desmond's home, is like off of Sunset Boulevard and so to me it would just be the perfect tie-in it's never going to happen but <laughs> if they just had her home that you could just walk right by there on the, right off of Sunset Boulevard at Disney's Hollywood Studios that would be yeah. here's this home Jeremy's Jeremy's over there all the time <laughs> taking pictures <laughs> I think one that um, a series and this is my last one and I didn't quite know where to put this because it is present in Hollywood Studios and that is Indiana Jones and really take any but Raiders of the Lost Ark specifically because it's featured in the great movie ride there's the Indiana Jones stunt show which kind of features scenes and elements from all of the uh, some uh, various parts of the film but I think Raiders of the Lost Ark will will do you good I mean the the soundtrack it, you know, it's just it ties in perfectly with the the Disney universe, and then obviously it's featured at Hollywood Studios. That'll give you the Disney World feels. But also, if you have to prioritize, if you can't watch all four, and you have to prioritize, it goes Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Hmm, interesting. In uh, what order is this now? Uh, best to worst. That is that's unfortunate. I think according to most critics, you would be correct. I have a soft spot for Temple of Doom. I think I probably watched that more than the other two growing up. Yeah, me too. When he rips out her heart. Mm. The best. Yeah. And when they sing I, Anything I Goes. Saying, yeah, that's right. And the, yeah, and the I think that's the worst is definitely Temple of Doom, Raiders, Last Crusade, Crystal Skull. Ooh. We can all agree on Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. true, yeah. No, yeah, I think yeah. the original is... Uh, the original is the best in my opinion but last crusade is so good though sean connery just as his father mm-hmm, for sure mm-hmm. 
All right, listeners, now it's up to you. We want to know what movies you like to watch before your big vacation to a Disney park. Send those our way. You can reach us at comments at madchatters.net, or if it's easier, just tweet us at madchatters. Get on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know. I'm not going to lie. kind of want to open up Netflix and see which of these are on there right now. Uh, Mm. But while I go do that, you go have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now.